Welcome to Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Mellick, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sal Dietrich. Sal, how are you doing tonight? Ed, tonight, I want to issue a challenge to listeners. Make a resolution to get involved here in the Arlington community. Get directly hands-on with the least of these, the less fortunate. You know, doing this, as we've learned time and time from guests, can be truly a life-changing event. You know, you're helping people, serving those who need it. It can add purpose and richness to life that's often missing in today's transactional social media world. Tonight we're joined by Jean and Jeannie Cross, who've been running a Friday morning soup kitchen uh, for the past 10 years out of Boston's Central United Methodist Church. Ed, you know, we love what they're doing over at Central United Methodist. They're here to talk to us about how they've decided to step up, engage the homeless in our community, and share some stories of grace uh, that sprang from their decisions to get involved, uh, helping a number of people, including a ukulele player named Sam, who uh, maybe some of you have seen at Redskins games, uh, and a former r- Marine who actually became a real source of help to the Cross family. Gene and Jeannie, welcome to the Grace and 30 show. We're really happy to be here. Yes, welcome, welcome. So I guess a great place to start is to talk about the, the spark that got you guys, that led you to dive into the Friday morning meal plan. Well, I came from a poor background myself, so I understand what it's like to be poor. And uh, it touched me that there were so many people around us who were hungry and bothered me. And it it felt like we needed to try and do something. Yeah, we had a member of the church that was an active social worker, and she felt that uh, we really, as a church, needed to be doing something. And her idea was that... uh, what we needed to be doing was offering showers to the street people and the homeless. We looked into that. Uh, we had some discussions with uh, Carrie Concanon, who is the pastor down in Alexandria right now. But uh, Carrie, we talked with uh, Leonard at the uh, ASPAN organization. And what we were able to close together was that there wasn't so much need for showers as there was a consistent point where. Uh, people had an opportunity to come and be connected with uh, appropriate social services in the community. And that's how we ended up uh, by offering the food and uh, the location. And then we had uh, people like ASPAN step up to provide the connections to the community services. Yeah, and I think that's an, an important thing because you, know, you talk about showers, sort of like people passing through, but really there are people who live in our community here, have for years, who have a deep need for uh, community support, for services from, from a number of organizations. You know, what I always love about uh, you folks at Central United Methodist, and uh, I, I know that uh, many say John Wesley didn't say this, but uh, if it, he probably would have said it, it you know, and, and it sort of goes along the lines of do all the good, you know, while you can, where you can, to whom you can, whenever you can. In essence, do good. In essence, you know, put put your hands on those who are the less fortunate and, and help them out. And, and so many times, uh, you know, we've had guests on who talk about the work that Central United Methodist has done, you know, at the food kitchen and in other ways, you know, it comes to mind um, the story of uh, Marymount President uh, Matthew Shank, who spent a night as a homeless person, talked about all the places he went and was rejected, and yet the one place he was welcomed was uh, by your pastor, uh, Pastor Sarah, at, uh, at Central United Methodist. Yeah, that was really an interesting evening that he had. Uh, He talked uh, about there was actually nobody in the community that uh, would offer hardly a word to him. He was essentially invisible on the street. 
So, so you guys have been doing this basically for um, 10 years, and it kind of started as a donuts and coffee thing and evolved to be much more. Why don't you give us some backdrop on how this thing played out? Well, the, the donuts and coffee was, at least for the people that were doing it, we thought was the ideal arrangement because it gave me time to do my crossword puzzle. And uh, we had ladies that would come in and prepare the sack lunches that we sent everybody off with, and the donuts were certainly good. Jeannie had an opportunity to change jobs, and it, uh, because of the commute, she was able to get a Friday off. Well, it, it started a little bit different. I, I saw a need, I tell you. Came in one Friday when I had off and saw one great big guy with seven donuts stacked on a little teeny tiny plate. And I said, oh my goodness, we're killing these people. We can't do this. Let, let me ask you, you know, uh, Jeannie, jump in here. You know, you two have been hands-on in doing this for for quite a while now. I mean, this is part of your everyday life is to do this. What has this meant to your marriage, to your attachment to the community because you know we're trying to encourage people to to take a leap you know here as we're approaching the new year to make a resolution to not just walk by a poor person someone who's struggling maybe someone that they know is a family member that's struggling but to actually engage and tell us a little bit about what this has meant to you and some of the benefits that you've you've seen in this we've made a commitment and and it was long term and we decided that we were going to stick with it no matter what because it's the Lord's work and, and we felt called to it. So um, I had to get up at four o'clock in the morning in order to be at work in time to work a 10 hour day. Um, and I do that four days a week so that I can have Fridays off so we can do this. That It's been hard on Gene because he doesn't like getting up that early either, <laughs> but he does it and he supports me and gets up and fixes my breakfast and my lunch and, and uh, gets me out the door and uh, it's worked out, and it's gotten to be the battle rhythm. I say that because I'm prior military. We both are. That's great. And so, wow, so getting up at 4 a.m. was a little, was, was difficult, but it might have been in your nature from the years in the military as well. <laughs> yep. That's great. I mean, it, to me, it sounds like this is something where you're helping each other. It's something you guys think about every day, and, but it's not, hey, I got to get up and do this. We both want to do this, and this has added tremendous meaning for you both. Yeah. Well, we're really fortunate in that we've got really good support from a number of people in the community and people in the church so that we've got – it's not like we were doing it all ourselves. We've no. got uh, a great uh, collection of help and hands that show up. And I know um, on Thursday nights we normally do all the preparation. And we found that we can get more reliable support from some of the young people in the community if we feed them in addition to doing the preparation. Uh-huh. Uh if you you know if you feed them they'll come kind of thing and it never seems that we have too much food we always have just about the right amount and one of the uh, young women that comes who's a lawyer in town mentioned that uh, how is it you always have just the right amount it's one of those cases that the lord provides why don't we spend a couple minutes giving us a snapshot of the program, what, what days you're feeding people, what, what you cook up for them that's better than just the donuts, uh-huh. and, uh, and then let's get into some stories. Let's talk about some of the folks that you've come across and you've helped. Yeah, Jeannie, since you, you saved, uh, saved Arlington from uh, the donut cholesterol diet, tell us a little <laughs> about how all this works. Well, we started out just with, with breakfast, with eggs and, and some uh, country fries, and then uh, Arlington Food Assistance Center, AFAC, heard about us and 
said, what can we do to help? Because part of our mission is to, to support that population, but they don't have an address, so we can't give them food. And, and you have an address. So it's worked out to be a great partnership with AFAX. And uh, they haul in crates and crates of fresh vegetables, which uh, some of our people tell us uh, Friday morning is the only hot meal that they get all week. And um, they really, really love the vegetables because that's something that you can't just get at a fast food. That's right. And it's so important to one's positive attitude, especially when you're struggling, is to have a, sure. a healthy meal and to feel good inside. Mm-hmm. So you, you had 250 people, you told me at one time. I mean, I... I've gone by your church. I, uh, can 250 people fit in there? I, you know, <laughs> uh, 250 people show up. I mean, this is like a breaking of seven loaves here. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and now you have about 125 regulars. Is that right? Well, a typical Friday starts uh, about 5:30, and we get an early morning walk-in crowd that will be there for cold cereal and uh, hot oatmeal at uh, one of these instant packets of oatmeal or something like that, and uh, some pastry that. Uh, Maybe left over from the week before, but they're they're there. And we're blessed because Heidelberg Bakery gives us their day old, and that's really really helped us. It's huge quantities, and it's really good. Oh yeah, day old from Heidelberg. I'd, I'd stand in line oh, for that. Goodness. I love that place. I was just in there a few weeks ago, and uh, there's really very few places like that in in the entire D.C. and Virginia area. Mm-hmm. And we're really lucky, and they're they're great members of this community for sure. They, they do a lot to support the community, but. Uh, the crowd that's there moves through through the whole morning. Uh, there'll be a few people that are there early uh, for just not much more than donuts and, and coffee and uh, some juice. And then about uh, 7 o'clock, the hot food starts coming out. And that'll be eggs and uh, fried potatoes and whatever other uh, stuff that Jeannie's got ready early. And then as the the morning morphs into uh, baked chicken, a uh, collection spaghetti. of vegetables, uh, we've been doing an awful lot of spaghetti lately. Uh, Very popular. I've got to get over We're that. getting hungry right now. Neither Ed and I have had dinner, and I'll tell you, I'm thinking that. <laughs> we've got a, an Austrian lady that uh, is a former biochemist, uh, and she uh, prides herself in uh, providing some of the flavors that uh, – really makes some of this food special. Uh, she makes some of the best bread pudding that I've ever eaten. Mm. It's, it's amazing when people begin to find ways to ask themselves, I you know, want to commit to contributing in some way. Mm-hmm. There's lots of ways people can get involved, you know, whether it's providing the best bread pudding or uh, chopping vegetables or maybe uh, a group of young people, the JCs kind of using this as a way to meet up and talk and sort of find a higher purpose. You know, in a day that's often filled with uh, tweets and and social media mm-hmm. um, emptiness. Um, look, you, let's go ahead and jump in. Well, I was curious. Do you guys still provide a bag lunch for the people when they leave? Absolutely. Oh yes. Yeah, it's usually two sandwiches, uh, a package of Oreo cookies, a small container of applesauce, uh, and a bag of chips, and, and a big bottle of water. Uh, yes. I'm stuffed just listening to this. I mean, gosh. <laughs> look, look uh, you know, as, as you talk about a day that goes on. Um, it's a long day. Tell us about some of the folks that you've helped over the years, some of your favorite stories, because a lot of the reward in this is getting to meet these folks. And, and uh, you know, you help someone over time, and that gratitude 
is just incredible. Uh, my, one of my favorite stories when we got together was about Sam the ukulele player, a guy that used yeah. to play at the Redskins games. Tell us about Sam and how you guys got to meet him. Well, Sam was one of the people that uh, started coming early on. Uh, I've seen him at some of the metro, metro stops. He used to play at the Boston stop occasionally. I haven't seen him there for a while. But Sam, um, very, very quiet, very mild-mannered uh, person, very seldom talks much about himself. What uh, he did that really touched me was uh, about this time, eight, ten years ago, he had finished eating, and before he left, he came up to me, and he reached in his pocket, and he pulled out, and he, like so many of us do, have a wad or some bills folded over that are loose in your pocket that are convenient. And as I remember, there were four or five bills there, and he had uh, several ones and a five, nothing bigger than the five. And he handed me the $5 bill, and he said, I just want to make a contribution to what you all are doing. Hmm. And Sam, I told him, I said, Sam, don't you need this more than we do? I said, you know, he says, no, I really appreciate this, and I just want to help. Yeah, and that, that's, I think, something we miss about about those who need a hand every once in a while or a little bit of help is that they're just like us. They just want to contribute. They they want to show gratitude. And you know how many times we walk by people on the street and they'll say something like, God bless you or thank you, and we just stroll right by. And that might be the only kind word that person receives in the entire day, and yet we just blow right by these people. It, it, you know, you Jeannie, jump in here. You, we, you talked about um, a gentleman who was uh, in the Marine Corps who uh, who came to you all and um, you know was grateful for the service and you all got to know him right that was Ronnie and he had gotten out of the Marine Corps to help take care of his grandma and then his grandma died um, he ended up homeless on the street we mm-hmm. took him in as a night watchman at the church and he uh, set up for for all the different meetings that were happening he helped us out so much but he was also one of our big volunteers in the kitchen and uh, uh, we just loved Ronnie. It, it was uh, sad when he took off and went to warmer climbs. <laughs> so these folks have become, you know, acquaintances of yours, uh, yeah, collaborators, family. friends. Yeah, and, and yet, you, you know, most people won't break that divide in just extending a hand to someone who just needs an extra hand. Like I always say, you know, if you look in your medicine cabinet at night and you didn't have all the, the money to buy all those pills, the blood pressure pills, the this pill, mm-hmm. that pill, you'd find yourself probably getting let go from your job and you'd find yourself uh, out on the street not too long after that. And so, you know, we're, there's not that much of a barrier between us and those who need a little bit of a little bit of an extra hand. You talked about, you know, a, a, a host of people. I mean, anyone you want to mentioned the lady who kept a little dog and, and shared her food with it and you know a young woman who would actually come from time to time and sleep in the church mm-hmm. at a time when uh, folks didn't feel safe on the streets here in Arlington. I called her the applesauce of, uh, girl. Yeah. yeah, She always wanted an extra applesauce. <laughs> <laughs> we used to get a number of young women that would come on Friday morning not so much to eat or be connected with anything but it was a safe place for them to go curl up in a corner and sleep for about four hours before they had to be someplace else. And it also had them out off of, out of the weather. Uh, the lady with the dog was one of the first people that actually got into VA housing. That uh, and they VA housed her someplace in Washington, as I recall. So we didn't see much of her after that. But she had gotten a job and didn't have anything to wear to go to work. And so we went through my closet and found her some things. And and she, um, I 
I believe she's been at work ever since because we have not seen her since. Yeah, and uh, Jeannie, you talked about uh, another guy named Sam from who was from Sierra Leone and mm. had, had worked many jobs, but uh, you know, found himself uh, needing an extra hand, and, and you all jumped in and helped him. Tell us a little bit about Sam. Well, Sam is from Sierra Leone, and he is dear, dear to our hearts. He's um, God's child for sure and studies the Bible every minute of his waking day. Um, he had been on the street for 10 years, and he was one of those who felt that he shouldn't get taken care of before other people who needed it more. And it finally became obvious that it was hurting his health. And uh, it, last winter it was getting down to 14 in January, 14 degrees, mm. and we went to the library where he was studying the Bible and grabbed him up and took him home with us for about three or four days. We don't usually do that, <laughs> but with Sam, he, he's a, a really amazing man. And the first thing he did when he went into his own room was kneel down by the bed and pray to God in thanks for that. You know, what's interesting is, more than interesting, is that a lot of these folks are people who don't feel comfortable inside. Mm-hmm. They've lived outside for so long, they don't feel comfortable. And the, the one thing, you know, as I picture people sleeping in a church, is that they're coming into a church, a place of, of warmth, a place of God's love, and they're able to stay there. Mm-hmm. And how, how we, we, you know, I don't want to brush over that, that, you know, that they're finding that God's Spirit is there with them in, in, in any belief, maybe from, from zero to 100, we all have different beliefs. But that that is a place where they are welcome and they can feel God's presence upon them. And that's a place where they feel they want to stay inside and want to stay safe. Well, the church is, was blessed in the way this all came about because, as many people know, Ken Haven Preschool was in that building. And there was a great deal of concern, partly by the congregation and other people, as to what having the homeless community involved in the church and, and near those children was going to be like. And we're grateful to the folks at Ken Haven that they actually allowed us to put this together and make it work. Uh, we did it uh, initially for a couple of brief periods and said, uh, well, we'll try it for three months. And then we said, well, we'll extend that for another six months. And finally, it just came part, be part of the rhythm of the community. And to the best of my knowledge, we've never had a single problem with, with uh, any of the, the folks in Ken Haven. I know you mentioned to Sal when you talked to him that uh, as a congregation you wanted to start focusing on the underlying problems that lead to homelessness and hunger. And I'd like to ask, I mean, what sort of progress are you guys making towards that? I think the Methodist Church as a whole is focusing on moving outside of the walls of the church into the community to, to make a difference. And we challenged ourselves 10 years ago to do that and looked around for a mission that we felt we could embrace and this was it. So that has become kind of the reason for our church now. There aren't many churches, there aren't many Methodist churches anyway that are still focused inward and having potluck dinners dinners just for themselves. Almost everybody is focused outside and trying to make a difference. And what is that, you know, when I think of the folks at Central United Methodist, I always think of a church that's on fire, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. and doing so much with, with what, 75, 100 people could do so much in this community, whether it's lead this, uh, this food kitchen initiative, which is so well respected within Arlington County and, and so well needed 
to e- even issues like affordable housing, where I would say you folks uh, are really on the forefront of leading uh, a charge for affordable housing in the Boston area, which uh, is becoming more and more expensive with the new mall and, and other things. Um, what has this meant to that community and 75 people doing all this? I think it's been a focus for the church. Uh, like Jeannie says, that the church consciously decided we wanted to be outside the walls. We didn't want to be just inside the walls and doing things to take care of each other and ourselves. We certainly wanted to do that. We wanted to be active within the community and look for things that uh, the community could value and, and would need. We did a prayer walk around the Boston area many years ago before we ever started the the uh, homeless program. A uh, member of the congregation was uh, close friends with uh, Bishop Story from South Africa. And when he was here for a meeting uh, a number of years ago, we had the opportunity to have lunch and we sat and talked uh, about you know, what would be things that would invigorate the church and what kind of things would be of value. And he suggested that uh, you know, we might look at uh, using the fellowship hall in the kitchen and the courtyard and, and using the, the facility itself to be uh, more of a place of love and active community involvement. And so that became what we really started focusing on at that time. It uh, was easy to walk past a lot of, as you say, the homeless people that were on the street and invisible. and. When you really begin looking at what's happening in your community, you can actually see the some of the needs that otherwise just kind of get glossed over by people in their normal day-to-day busy activities. We're all in a hurry to do almost everything, and we don't take the time to sit down and look and see what's actually there. Ed, do all the good you can where you can and all the means you can to all the people you can. Maybe it's that simple. I want to make sure we get the call to action in and give you both plenty of time to to issue a call to action, challenge our listeners in some way. And if you want to issue two or three, feel free to do that. And if there's just anything that's on your heart that you want to share about what you've learned about these people that come through your facility and how you serve them and what they're like. So um, Jeannie, why don't you go first? I talked to a young man who came in with the JCs. He's not a church guy. Um, And I said, one of our people told me that um, he has felt blessed since he's been doing the volunteer work. Okay, you're a sample of one. How do you feel after doing this work? And he said, oh, my gosh. I go back to the JCs, and I, I just bubble over telling them about how great this is and and what a sense of purpose I have. And I thought, wow, you know, it's not just me. I feel that, that feeling of fulfillment and happiness and joy all through it. I used to kind of dread Thursday, Friday because it was so much work. But then I got to thinking, you know, this is so fulfilling that it pays for itself. I have energy. I'm 71 years old, and I am still rocking and rolling about doing this mission, and it's keeping me strong. And and one of the other ladies said that she feels that it's what's keeping her strong too yeah you know you're giving that uh that young person maybe their first roots in this community yeah something that uh you know arlington county is spending a lot of money trying to figure out how to keep the millennials here uh hmm. maybe this is the secret sauce huh uh, give, maybe give people an opportunity to really be a community member and really establish some roots here so that's my call is 
if you want to try that, if you want to source that joy into your life, come out and do something. Now, I want to follow up real quick with you, though, Jeannie, because you, you and I had talked about Michelle, who's in her 80s, and you talked about being on fire, you know, as people yeah. get older. Uh, tell us real quick about Michelle and Kay, who walks probably farther than I do every day to come and chop vegetables. Michelle was over 85, and so is Kay, and they threw themselves into this mission. Yes, they had to sit down sometimes to do it, but they were peeling and chopping and doing that kitchen work with such great joy and um, kind of shaming the other people around who were <laughs> who were slacking off sometimes and not coming in because they were there. They've both been there every single week for Kay, so long. Kay lives down near uh, 50, and of course the church is up on Fairfax. And she walks every Thursday from where she lives down in 50 to, to the church and then spends the next hour or two uh, peeling potatoes and peeling carrots and, and other things that need to be done. And I believe she actually walks home. I don't yes. know that for a fact. And you all said Michelle just uh, showed up one morning. She was walking at 530 and said, what are all you people doing up here? Yeah. Absolutely. There was no master plan. You just sort of hooked her. You know, it kind of yeah. reminds me of Jesus and the apostles. He just said, hey, come follow me. Let's do this. Yeah. So, Dean, we've only got about uh, 45 seconds. How about a call from you? I, I'll, I'll be real quick. It's it. This is a time of year when we're all getting pleas for donations and contributions for all of our favorite charities. And, and all of those are worthy and worth doing. But it's very easy to just throw money out over the wall and feel like you've done something good. The challenge would be actually to find a way to get your hands dirty. And it doesn't necessarily have to be with what we're doing. It can be virtually any kind of community activity or community support organization, whether it's the Scouts or the Soccer League or some, some other worthwhile activity that gets you involved with the people you live with. And at the very least, make eye contact with somebody. I love that. Gene and Jeannie, we, we love what you're doing. I love your idea of getting your hands dirty. You guys are the Mike Rowe of uh, Arlington mm -hmm. Food Kitchen. So I really appreciate that. It's been a true honor to have you on the show. Share some of the great things that Central United Methodist Church in Boston is doing in this community. Uh, if listeners want to find out more about Central United Methodist Church, please check them out on the web at cumcboston.org. A replay of this show can be found at the graceand30.com website, wera.fm, iTunes, Stitcher. Ed, my man, sign us out of this one. This is Ed and Sal signing off from Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night and be sure to tune into Grace.